Chapter 18, verses 15 through 30. Of Catina Aria, Gospel of St. Luke, Part 2, by St. Thomas Aquinas. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Verses 15 through 17. And they brought unto him also infants, that he would touch them. But when his disciples saw it, they rebuked them. But Jesus called them unto him, and said, Suffer little children to come unto me, and forbid them not. For of such is the kingdom of God. Verily I say unto you, Whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child shall in no wise enter therein. Theophylact. After what he had said, our Lord teaches us a lesson of humility by his own example. He does not turn away the little children who are brought to him, but graciously receives them. Augustine. To whom are they brought to be touched but to the Savior? And as being the Savior, they are presented to him to be saved, who came to save that which was lost. But with regard to these innocents, when were they lost? The Apostle says, By one man sin entered into the world. Let then the little children come as the sick to a physician, the lost to their Redeemer. Ambrose, it may be thought strange by some that the disciples wished to prevent the little children from coming to our Lord. As it is said, when they saw it, they rebuked them. But we must understand in this either a mystery or the effect of their love to him. For they did not from envy or harsh feelings towards the children, but they manifested a holy zeal in their Lord's service, that he might not be pressed by the crowds. Our own interest must be given up where an injury is threatened to God. But we may understand the mystery to be that they desired the Jewish people to be first saved, of whom they were according to the flesh. They knew indeed the mystery, that to both nations the call was to be made, for they entreated for the Canaanitish woman, but perhaps they were still ignorant of the order. It follows, but Jesus called them unto him and said, Suffer little children, etc. One age is not preferred to another, else were hurtful to grow up. But why does he say that children are fitter for the kingdom of heaven? It is because they are ignorant of guile, are incapable of theft, dare not return a blow, are unconscious of lust, have no desire for wealth, honors, or ambition. But to be ignorant of these things is not virtue. We must also despise them. For virtue consists not in our inability to sin, but in our unwillingness. Childhood, then, is not meant here, but that goodness which reviles the simplicity of childhood. Bede. Hence our Lord pointedly says, Of such, not of these, to show that to character, not to age, is the kingdom given, and to such as have a childlike innocence and simplicity is the promise of the reward. Ambrose. Lastly, our Savior expressed this when he said, Verily I say unto you, whosoever will not receive the kingdom of God as a little child, etc. What child were Christ's apostles to imitate, but him of whom Isaiah speaks? Unto us a child is given, who when he was reviled, reviled not again, so that there is in childhood a certain venerable antiquity, and in old age a childlike innocence. Basil, we shall receive the kingdom of God as a child, if we are disposed towards our Lord's teaching as a child under instruction, never contradicting nor disputing with his masters, 
but trustfully and teachably imbibing learning. Theophylact. The wise men of the Gentiles, therefore, who seek for wisdom in a mystery, which is the kingdom of God, and will not receive this without the evidence of logical proof, are rightly shut out from this kingdom. Verses 18 through 23. And a certain ruler asked him, saying, Good master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said unto him, Why callest thou me good? None is good save one, that is, God. Thou knowest the commandments. Do not commit adultery, do not kill, do not steal, do not bear false witness. Honor thy father and thy mother. And he said, All these have I kept from my youth up. Now when Jesus heard these things, he said unto him, Yet lackest thou one thing. Sell all that thou hast, and distribute unto the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. And when he had heard this, he was very sorrowful, for he was very rich. Bede, a certain ruler, having heard our Lord say, that only those who would be like little children should enter the kingdom of heaven, entreats him to explain to him not by parable, but openly, by what works he may merit to obtain eternal life. Ambrose, that ruler tempting him, said, Good master, he ought to have said, Good God. For although goodness exists in divinity and divinity in goodness, yet by adding good master, he uses good only in part, not in the whole. For God is good altogether, man partially. Cyril, now he thought to detect Christ in blaming the law of Moses, while he introduced his own commands. He went then to the master, and calling him good, says that he wishes to be taught by him, for he sought to tempt him. But he who takes the wise in their craftiness answers him fitly as follows, Why callest thou me good? There is none good save God alone. Ambrose he does not deny that he is good, but points to God. None is good, then, except he be full of goodness. But should it strike any one that it is said, None is good, let this also strike him, save God. And if the Son is not accepted from God, surely neither is Christ accepted from good. For how is he not good who is born from good? A good tree brings forth good fruits. How is he not good? seeing that the substance of his goodness, which he took unto him from the Father, has not degenerated in the Son, which did not degenerate in the Spirit. Thy good Spirit, he says, shall lead me into a land of uprightness. But if the Spirit is good who received from the Son, verily he also is good who give it. Because then it was a lawyer who tempted him, as is plainly shown in another book, he therefore well said, None is good save God, that he might remind him that it is written, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God, but he rather gives thanks to the Lord that he is good. Chrysostom, or else I shall not hesitate to call this ruler covetous, for with this Christ reproaches him, but I say not that he was a tempter. Titus Bost, when he says then, Good master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? It is the same as if he says, Thou art good, vouchsafe me then an answer to my question. I am learned in the Old Testament, but I see in thee something far more excellent. For thou makest no earthly promises, 
but preaches the kingdom of heaven. Tell me then, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? The Savior then considering his meaning, because faith is the way to good works, passes over the question he asks, and leads him to the knowledge of faith, as if a man was to ask a physician, What shall I eat? And he was to show him what ought to go before his food. And then he sends him to his father, saying, Why callest thou me good? Not that he was not good, for he was the good branch from the good tree, or the good son of the good father. Augustine, it may seem that the account given in Matthew is different, where it is said, Why askest thou me of good? Which might apply better to the question which he asked, What good shall I do? In this place he both calls him good, and asks the question about good. It will be best then to understand both to have been said, Why callest thou me good? And why askest thou me of good? Though the latter may rather be implied in the former. Titus Bost, after instructing him in the knowledge of the faith, he adds, Thou knowest the commandments. As though he said, Know God first, and then will it be time to seek what thou askest. Cyril, but the ruler expected to hear Christ say, Forsake the commandments of Moses, and listen to mine. Whereas he sends him to the former, as it follows, Thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not commit adultery. Theophylact, the law first forbids those things to which we are most prone, as adultery, for instance, the incitement to which is within us, and of our nature, and murder, because rage is a great and savage monster. But theft and bearing false witness are sins which men seldom fall into. And besides the former also are the more grievous sins. Therefore he places theft and bearing false witness in the second place, as both less common and of less weight than the other. Basil, now we must not understand by thieves only such as cut stripes off hides, or commit robberies in the baths, but all such also as, when appointed leaders of legions, or installed governors of states or nations, are guilty of secret embezzlement, or violent and open exactions. Titus Bost, but you may observe that these commandments consist in not doing certain things, that if thou hast not committed adultery, thou art chaste, if thou stealest not, honestly disposed, if thou bearest not false witness, truth-telling. Virtue, then, we see is rendered easy through the goodness of the lawgiver, for he speaks of avoiding of evil, not practicing of good. And any cessation from action is easier than actual work. Theophylact, because sin against parents, although a great crime, very rarely happens, he places it last of all, honor thy father and mother. Ambrose, honor is concerned not only with paying respect, but also with giving bountifully, for it is honoring to reward deserts. Feed thy father, feed thy mother, and when thou hast fed them, thou hast not requited all the pangs and agony thy mother underwent for thee. To the one thou owest all thou hast, to the other all thou art. What a condemnation! Should the church feed those whom thou art able to feed? But it may be said, what I was going to bestow upon my parents, I prefer to give to the church. 
God seeks not a gift which will starve thy parents, but the scripture says as well that parents are to be fed, as that they are to be left for God's sake, should they check the love of a devout mind. It follows, and he said, all these things I have kept from my youth up. Jerome, the young man speaks false, for if he had fulfilled that which was afterwards placed among the commandments, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, how was it that when he heard, go and sell all that thou hast, and give to the poor, he went away sorrowful? Bede, or we must not think him to have lied, but to have avowed that he lived honestly, that is, at least in outward things, else Mark could never have said, and Jesus, seeing him, loved him. Titus paused. Our Lord next declares that though a man has kept the old covenant, he is not perfect, since he lacks to follow Christ. Thou yet lackest one thing, sell all that thou hast, etc. As if he says, Thou hast asked to possess eternal life. Scatter thy goods among the poor, and thou shalt obtain it. A little thing is that thou spendest, thou receivest great things. Athanasius. For when we despise the world, we must not imagine we have resigned anything great. For the whole earth, in comparison of the heaven, is but a span long. Therefore, even should they who renounce it be lords of the whole earth, yet still would be nothing worth in comparison of the kingdom of heaven. Bede. Whoever then wishes to be perfect must sell all that he hath, not a part only, as Ananias and Sapphira did, but the whole. Theophylact. Hence, when he says, all that thou hast, he inculcates the most complete poverty. For if there is anything left over or remaining to thee, thou art its slave. Basil. He does not tell us to sell our goods, because they are by nature evil, for then they would not be God's creatures. He therefore does not bid us cast them away, as if they were bad, but distribute them. Nor is anyone condemned for possessing them, but for abusing them. And thus it is, that to lay our goods according to God's command, both blots out sins and bestows the kingdom. Chrysostom. God might indeed feed the poor, without our taking compassion upon them but he wishes the givers to be bound by the ties of love to the receivers. Basil, when our Lord says, give to the poor, it becomes a man no longer to be careless, but diligently to dispose all things, first of all by himself, if in any measure he is able, if not by those who are known to be faithful and prudent in their management. For cursed is he who doeth the work of the Lord negligently. Chrysostom, but it is asked, how does Christ acknowledge the giving all things to the poor to be perfection, whereas St. Paul declares this very thing without charity to be imperfect? Their harmony is shown in the words which succeed, and come, follow me, which betokens to be from love. For herein shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one for another. Theophylact together with poverty must exist all the other virtues. Therefore he says, come, follow me. That is, in all other things to be my disciples, be always following me. Cyril, the ruler was not able to contain the new word, but being like an old bottle, burst with sorrow. Basil, 
The merchant, when he goes to the market, is not loth to part with all that he has in order to obtain what he requires. But thou art grieved at giving mere dust and ashes that thou mayest gain everlasting bliss. Verses 24 through 30. And when Jesus saw that he was very sorrowful, he said, How hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God? For it is easier for a camel to go through a needle's eye than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. And they that heard it said, Who then can be saved? And he said, The things which are impossible with men are possible with God. Then Peter said, Lo, we have left all and followed thee. And he said unto them, Verily I say unto you, There is no man that hath left house or parents or brethren or wife or children for the kingdom of God's sake, who shall not receive more in this present time and in the world to come life everlasting. Theophylact. Our Lord, seeing that the rich man was sorrowful when it was told him to surrender his riches, marveled, saying, How hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God? He says not it is impossible for them to enter, but it is difficult. For they might, through their riches, reap up an heavenly reward, but it is a hard thing, seeing that riches are more tenacious than birdlime, and hardly is the soul ever plucked away that is once seized by them. But he next speaks of it as impossible. It is easier for a camel to go through a needle's eye. The word in Greek answers equally to the animal called the camel, and to a cable or ship rope. However we may understand it, impossibility is implied. What must we say then? First of all, that the thing is positively true. For we must remember that the rich man differs from the steward, or dispenser of riches. The rich man is he who reserves his riches to himself. The steward or dispenser, one who holds them entrusted to his care for the benefit of others. Chrysostom. Abraham indeed possessed wealth for the poor, and all they who righteously possess it spend it as receiving it from God, according to the divine command while those who have acquired wealth in an ungodly way are ungodly in their use of it, whether in squandering it on harlots or parasites, or hiding it in the ground, but sparing nothing for the poor. He does not then forbid men to be rich, but to be the slaves of their riches. He would have us use them as necessary, not keep guard over them. It is of a servant to guard, of a master to dispense. Had he wished to preserve them, he would never have given them to men, but left them to remain in the earth. Theophylact. Again observe that he says, a rich man cannot possibly be saved, but one who possesses riches hardly. As if he said, the rich man who has been taken captive by his riches, and is a slave to them, shall not be saved. But he who possesses, or is the master of them, shall with difficulty be saved, because of human infirmity. For the devil is ever trying to make our foot slip, as long as we possess riches, and it is a hard matter to escape his wiles. Poverty, therefore, is a blessing, and, as it were, free from temptation. Chrysostom, there is no profit in riches while the soul suffers poverty, no hurt in poverty while the soul abounds in wealth. But if the sign of a man waxing rich 
is to be in need of nothing, and of becoming poor to be in want. It is plain that the poorer a man is, the richer he grows. For it is far easier for one in poverty to despise wealth than for the rich. Nor again is avarice want to be satisfied by having more. For thereby are men only the more inflamed. Just as a fire spreads, the more it has to feed upon. Those which seem to be the evils of poverty it has in common with riches, but the evils of riches are peculiar to them. Augustine, the name of rich he here gives to one who covets temporal things and boasts himself in them. To such rich men are opposed the poor in spirit, of whom is the kingdom of heaven. Now mystically it is easier for Christ to suffer for the lovers of this world than for the lovers of this world to be converted to Christ. For by the name of a camel he would represent himself, for he voluntarily humbled himself to bear the burdens of our infirmity. By the needle he signifies sharp piercings, and thereby the pangs received in his passion. But by the form of the needle he describes the straightening of the passion. Chrysostom. These weighty words so far exceeded the capacity of the disciples, that when they heard them, they asked, Who then can be saved? Not that they feared for themselves, but for the whole world. Augustine. Seeing that there is an incomparably greater number of poor, which might be saved by forsaking the riches, they understood that all who love riches, even though they cannot obtain them, were to be counted among the number of the rich. It follows, and he said to them, the things which are impossible with men are possible with God, which must not be taken as if a rich man with covetous and pride might enter into the kingdom of God but that it is possible with God for a man to be converted from covetousness and pride to charity and humility. Theophylact, with men, therefore, whose thoughts creep earthward, salvation is impossible, but with God it is possible. For when man shall have God for his counselor, and shall have received the righteousness of God and his teaching concerning poverty, as well as have invoked his aid, this shall be possible to him. Cyril, the rich man who had despised many things will naturally expect a reward, but he who possessing little resigns what he has may fairly ask what there is in store for him. As it follows, then Peter said, Lo, we have left all. Matthew adds, What shall we have therefore? Bede, as if he says, We have done what thou commandest us. What reward then wilt thou give us? And because it is not enough to have left all things, he adds, that which made it perfect, saying, and have followed thee. Cyril, it was necessary to say this, because those who forsake a few things, as far as regards their motives and obedience, are weighed in the same balance with the rich, who have forsaken all, inasmuch as they act from the like affections, involuntarily making a surrender of all that they possess. And therefore it follows, Verily I say unto you, There is no man that hath left house, etc., who shall not receive manifold more, etc. He inspires all who hear him with the most joyful hopes, confirming his promises to them with an oath, beginning his declaration with verily. For when the divine teaching invites the world to the faith of Christ, some perhaps regarding their unbelieving parents 
are unwilling to distress them by coming to the faith, and have the like respect of others of their relations, while some again forsake their father and mother, and hold lightly the love of their whole kindred, in comparison of the love of Christ. Bede, the sense then is this, he who in seeking the kingdom of God has despised all earthly affections, has trampled underfoot all riches, pleasures, and smiles of the world, shall receive far greater in the present time. Upon the ground of this declaration, some of the Jews build up the fable of a millennium after the resurrection of the just, when all things which have been given up for God's sake shall be restored with manifold interest, and eternal life be granted. Nor do they, from their ignorance, seem to be aware that even if, in other things, there might be a fit promise of restoration, yet in the matter of wives, who might be according to some evangelists, and hundredfold, it would be manifestly shocking, especially since our Lord declares that in the resurrection there will be no marrying. And according to Mark, those things which have been given up, he declares, shall be received at this time with persecutions, which these Jews assert will be absent for a thousand years. Cyril, this then we say, that he who gives up all worldly and carnal things will gain for himself far greater, inasmuch as the apostles, after leaving a few things, obtained the manifold gifts of grace, and were accounted great everywhere. We then shall be like to them. If a man has left his home, he shall receive an abiding place above. If his father, he shall have a father in heaven. If he has forsaken his kindred, Christ shall take him for a brother. If he has given up a wife, he shall find divine wisdom, from which he shall beget spiritual offspring. If a mother, he shall find the heavenly Jerusalem, who is our mother. From brethren and sisters, also united together with him by the spiritual bond of his will, he shall receive in this life far more kindly affections. End of chapter 18, verses 15 through 30.